Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, and welcome to Brexit Unspun, the Financial Times podcast where we debunk the political spin around Brexit. I'm Ursula Milton. Hostility towards EU immigration played a big role in the campaign to persuade Britons to vote for Brexit. But there are now signs of a shift in public attitudes towards the benefits of immigration. And business groups complain of growing problems in the supply of skilled labour, as official figures show that net migration from the EU to the UK has fallen to its lowest level since 2012. With me in the studio to discuss this is Sarah O'Connor, who writes about employment for the Financial Times, and Robert Wright, our public policy correspondent. We'll also be hearing from Robert Ford from Manchester University, who's been tracking public attitudes towards immigration. Robert, what are the latest figures on EU migration to the UK? Well, one of the funny things is we don't actually know the answer in that there were meant to be figures out last week and they haven't made a mess of them and they weren't published. But what we do know is that back in February, there were figures published showing that net immigration from the EU to the UK had fallen below 100,000, as as you said in the introduction, for the first time since 2012, for the year to September last year. So there has been a fall. There is still net migration into the UK from the EU. There are still people coming here, but there has been a decline. And the result of that is that it's prompting employers to seek people from outside the EU And that, in turn, is causing problems with the visa system for skilled migrants, where there's a limited number of visas available each year, and that system is getting clogged up. So there are a lot of issues there. So what's the government's reaction been? What are they trying to do in response? And how different is this from what business leaders are saying? What the government is doing in response is effectively nothing. And that is a problem because there are plenty of people inside the government who would like to see things changed. But because there is a limit to the number of people who can come in, basically people can't get in the labour that they want and people would like the government to do something about that limit, either raise the number of visas available or take NHS staff out of that. About a third of those visas are for people who are coming to work in the NHS and people have asked the Prime Minister, Theresa May, to take all NHS workers out of that system to free up some of the visas, make things easier for the NHS. And so far, she's point blank refused. That's interesting. Is there a lot of visible frustration among business leaders? There's a huge amount of frustration from business leaders. Well, it seems that public attitudes are moving in line with the views of business and that there's been a shift in attitudes since the referendum. We spoke to Robert Ford at Manchester University earlier this week about the latest polling and asked him what it revealed. Well, what's very clear is a couple of things. 
Firstly, the share of voters who are naming immigration as one of the most important or pressing issues that they're worried about has fallen very sharply since the Brexit vote and is now at its lowest levels for at least 15 years. Secondly, the share of voters who say they think immigration has a positive effect on the British economy or is positive for British culture has risen quite sharply since the Brexit vote. So it seems both that voters are less concerned about immigration as a problem they want politicians to resolve and they are more convinced or aware of the positive effects of immigration on British society. Both of those changes seem to have happened. So how reliable are these findings and what are the sources? Well, the data on the most important problems facing the country comes from two different commercial pollsters, Ipsos Mori and YouGov, who employ rather different methods to get at the question and field their surveys in different ways as well. And those two pollsters' trends basically match each other very well. And the data on the impact of immigration on society, that comes from the British Election Study, which is a very large-scale academic study of attitudes and political choices. I mean, no data is perfect, but these are pretty reliable sources. And what we're finding there is also backed up by other sources of data that have been collected. And do we know what's behind this apparent change of heart? Well, that's the kind of million dollar question with this. It's not one I answered in my blog because I think it's one that's going to require some very careful and systematic work. One piece of evidence we do have that came out recently is Ipsos Mori, who are one of the sources I cited just then, have done a new poll where they asked people why it seems that there's less concern about immigration now than there was before Brexit. And people kind of split down the middle, as they often do actually on immigration questions and on Brexit questions. Roughly 40% odd say it's either because they think immigration levels have already come down or because they think Brexit means that those immigration levels are going to come down in the future. In other words, they're they're kind of reassured by the Brexit vote that immigration is going to be brought under control. And then roughly 40% on the other side of the coin say they're more aware of the positive effects of immigration on Britain since Brexit or, you know, more concerned that bringing immigration down is going to cause problems. So essentially, it seems that the motivations for this shift are rather mixed as we might expect, are quite a complicated issue. Partly it could be to do with a belief that the referendum vote will result in greater immigration control, and partly it seems to be a result of a change in the way the issue of immigration is perceived and discussed since the Brexit vote happened. So public attitudes are changing, but how has the government responded? Sarah, has there been any shift in policy towards migrant workers in the past couple of years? So policy towards immigration hasn't changed yet since Brexit. And that's partly, well, that's mainly because Brexit hasn't happened yet. So the current system is that we have free movement of labour still with countries from the EU. And then for countries outside of the EU, the government has a really quite restrictive policy towards allowing people in. The thing that has changed since Brexit is that it's all come under more strain. And that's fundamentally because... Quite a lot of EU migrants have decided to 
go home, to leave the UK because either they don't feel welcome or they're uncertain about the future or because the pound has become weaker and so it simply just isn't as financially beneficial to spend time working over here anymore. So that has sort of just put a strain on the labour market because there are people disappearing that the economy needed. And as a result, companies are trying to hire more people from outside the EU and that has meant that the non-EU immigration system has really kind of come under a spotlight and it's really restrictive. So at the minute, the way it works is that there is a cap of uh, 20,700 people per year that the UK government will allow in from non-EU countries on so-called skilled tier two visas. And for an employer to secure one of those, they have to apply, they have to prove that that person could not have been found anywhere in the UK. They have to advertise the job, wait to make sure that there is no one qualified to do it, and then they can ask the Home Office to be allowed to bring someone in. The issue is that because more employers are now trying to do that, we've been hitting the limits on that cap month after month this year. The limits have been hit and that means that there have been more applications to bring people in than there have been spaces permitted by the Home Office. So as a result, the UK has been turning away thousands of skilled people who have jobs to come to here in the UK. So do you think government policy is fit for purpose in the sense that we are allowing those people in who are best suited to meet the needs of the economy? Yeah, it seems like a kind of bizarre system, really, because you have employers that are desperate to hire people. They have proved that they can't get the people locally. They've gone through all of the kind of rigmarole of applying for a visa, only to be told that there's simply not enough. So it's not, you know, it's not anything about the the person in particular or what the economy needs. It's simply because an arbitrary kind of numerical limit has been hit. And what happens when that cap is hit is that the government ranks everyone who's applied on various metrics. And one of them is they have these shortage occupations. So this is a nod to the idea that the economy needs some people more than others. And so there are certain people that get to the front of the queue, like nurses and various other people in so-called shortage occupations. But everyone else gets ranked according to their salary. And so the more people that apply relative to the amount of places that are available, the higher the threshold for your salary becomes. And so it used to be last year, if you had a salary of over £30,000, you'd probably get in. But now, because demand is increasing and supply isn't increasing, your salary you know, might need to be 50000 or 55000 It varies every month. And so that means that we're now not allowing in people who we would have allowed in last year. So this is people like junior doctors who wouldn't necessarily have the salary to get over this new high threshold. But clearly the NHS is suffering from a shortage of doctors. And so it does seem a slightly kind of preposterous scenario whereby we're turning away people that the economy needs. You mentioned the NHS, but what are the other areas of the economy of business that are hard hit? Yeah, I mean, there's areas... Uh, bubbling up across the economy really that are hard hit so the NHS is a very clear one there are other sort of high skilled sectors so engineering technology science research but also lots of kind of lower skilled areas and this is because of what I was mentioning earlier about a lot of EU migrants going home so agriculture people to pick tomatoes in the fields logistics people to deliver your amazon parcels on time all of those people are becoming more scarce and employers are struggling to get hold of them in your view what should the government do to ease the shortage of key workers what needs to be changed in other words 
So this is a really important moment, I think, because just as this light is being shone on how dysfunctional the policy is towards non-EU migration, we also have to be coming up with a policy pretty quickly for how on earth we're going to deal with EU migration after Brexit. And so I would argue that um, we have a good example of here of how not to do it. So I think it should be changed for the non-EU migration um, system and then similarly we need to apply better principles when Brexit does happen to EU migrants. Personally I would get rid of these arbitrary numerical caps. I just think it makes no sense whatsoever. As soon as you have a numerical limit then you end up with these very odd decisions being made that aren't actually based on what the economy needs or necessarily how people feel about it. You know, I don't think that voters out there have a specific view that, okay, 20,700 people is okay, but 20,701 is a disaster and the country's going to rack and ruin. So as well as getting rid of the kind of numerical caps, I think I would just try and come up with a system that appreciates that ranking people by how much they earn isn't really the best way to do it. Like the, People have value to the economy, not just based on how much they're paid. I mean, that's one metric of how productive and how skilled they are. But you have plenty of people who don't necessarily earn that much, but are still doing pretty vital jobs that the economy needs. And I've mentioned some of those professions already. Going back to Robert, you've been talking to some of the migrant entrepreneurs at the sharp end of government policy. Tell us about the plight of people holding ECAA visas. And what are these exactly? It's a very specific group of people. These are Turkish self-employed entrepreneurs who came into the country under a visa scheme that's been going since 1963 and that lets Turkish self-employed people operate in the UK for four years and at the end of that get indefinite leave to remain. The problem for them is that on March 16th, the government essentially took away their right to apply for indefinite leave to remain They say they're going to come up with a new scheme in future, but they haven't said what it's going to be. So there are more than 10,000 of these people who now essentially feel marooned and uncertain about their future, having come to the UK and set up businesses. But I think that perhaps shines a light more on the general issue of what's going to happen when the UK is dealing with 3.5 million EU citizens after Brexit, because Frankly, at the moment, immigration policy in the UK has been run in slightly haphazard fashion. People feel it's behaving in a slightly arbitrary way. And it's dealing with far smaller numbers of people than it's going to be dealing with after Brexit. So I think some people would see what's happened in that case as a warning that there could be significant bumps in the road ahead. So you're talking about the slightly arbitrary behaviour. There's been an issue, hasn't there, with the harassment of entrepreneurs over minor past revisions to their tax returns. And in that area, government seems to be recognising it may have got things wrong. What can you tell us about that? Well, this is another really interesting example of how UK immigration policy is operating in some very strange ways. The Home Office is under a lot of pressure to reduce the number of immigrants in the UK. And one of the ways they seem to have been doing this is just looking at people's past tax returns and where they've made revisions, you know, the kind of revision that all of us would make at some point. They've been saying that's evidence that you're a bad character and using a clause of the immigration rules that's meant to deal with national security risks to bar people from the country. And the other interesting thing about this, besides the apparent arbitrary unfairness of this, is that the government seems to be recognising in that case that it got stuff wrong. The Home Secretary announced this week that 
those cases are all on hold while they look at them. And that, again, it's thousands of cases of people who've been, you know, it's certainly in a lot of the cases I've seen seem to have been rather shoddily treated. The effect of this, as well as the Windrush scandal, must surely be to undermine the faith of those considering coming to the UK, that they can rely on a stable and welcoming environment. How damaging is this in your view? Well, I think the big concern is that it is going to prove quite a big deterrent to people. I had a meeting recently with the Indian Deputy High Commissioner to the UK, and he said that the worry for the UK should be that we will see at some point a big fall-off in the willingness of skilled people to come to this country of the same kind that we've seen with students from the Indian subcontinent. There's been a huge fall-off after the UK took some pretty harsh measures against some of them, numbers of more than halved. And a lot of the people who are coming in as skilled migrants at the moment are doing things like running IT systems at city banks. I think we need those people. I think there would be common consent that a lot of those people's skills are badly needed. And there does have to be a concern if the UK continues to behave like this. In the future, this will be a big deterrent, not only to people from outside the European economic area, the people who are currently caught up in the system, but in future for people from inside the European economic area who will have to deal with the UK immigration authorities to come to this country, and it could be a real problem. So the very tough words and actions from government and the arbitrary behaviour towards immigrants, what impact might this have on the UK economy? This brings to mind a, a really interesting example that I came across in the course of researching some of these stories. I visited a factory in North London, a place that makes extension leads for use in building sites, And that place has been revived by the presence of a Pakistani immigrant who's now getting harassed by the authorities over his tax return. And the guy who founded that company said to me, you know, this guy's turned the place around. You know, how can we be pushing people like this out of the country? Other people that I've been talking to are people who have really high-level IT skills, who are doing interesting things in this country. Many of the Turkish entrepreneurs are people who are really talented. One of the people I spoke to has patented a system to make prosthetic limbs adapt better to the people who wear them so they don't have to throw so many away. I mean, when you start looking at the nitty-gritty of who these people are... (laughs) You get away from the scaremongering about these people flooding into the country and you begin to think, is this somebody we want in the country? And the answer in many cases is yes. And yet there seems to be a reluctance to align policy with that and to make the argument for it. Well, it seems that public attitudes are ahead of the government. So it will be interesting to see how long it takes for politicians to change the strategy and catch up. That's all we have time for. Thanks to Robert Ford, Sarah O'Connor and Robert Wright. And thanks for listening. We're taking a break, but we'll be back later in the year and we hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, you can catch up with previous episodes and review or rate our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or your favourite podcast app. If you have a question or would like to suggest a topic for future episodes, you can also email us at brexitunspun, all one word, at ft.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.